Welcome to Postpartum Stories with Steph, candid conversations with mums and sometimes dads about the precious yet chaotic time that is life after birth. My name is Steph, woman, warrior, wife, mother, coffee lover and feminist. I'm a postpartum doula in Melbourne and you can find me on Instagram at postpartum underscore with underscore Steph with a PH. Through this podcast, I will chat to women and birthing people in a real and raw way about their postpartum experience. So sit back, grab a cuppa, even if it's cold, take off your bra and enjoy. Welcome to today's episode of Postpartum Stories with Steph. Um, Before I interview today's guest, I just wanted to send a massive shout out and a massive amount of love to all of the mums and dads, um, all the pregnant people and all of the families that are experiencing early postpartum right now in Melbourne under stage four lockdowns. Um, I'm in Melbourne and it sucks. (laughs) I don't know how to sort of describe it other than that. And I just hope that this is what um, we need to be able to kick this thing in the butt. Um, But yeah, sending so much love and um, I'm trying to work on a few little ideas um, of ways that I can support mums in early postpartum and in pregnancy, um, given all of the current restrictions. Um, now to introduce today's guest. Uh, so I'm joined by uh, Joelle Tom. Uh, Joelle lives in Hillsville at the moment in Melbourne um, and she's planning to move back to WA soon with her son Elio who is 10 months I think or 11 months. We recorded this about a month ago so um, and her partner Zephyr. So they're in the process of moving back to WA but with um, COVID, it's all kind of um, unruffled their plans a little bit. Uh, Joelle is uh, a, a holistic cook. She um, she's created this amazing package uh, called Womb Food. So basically, she supports uh, women in pregnancy and in postpartum uh, to make sure they're getting all of the amazing nutrients and food uh, that they need while, you know, supporting things in pregnancy like morning sickness and food aversions and things like that. Um, she's also a doula as well. And uh, yeah, she has a, had a conversation with me about a month ago about her experience in postpartum um, and uh, what that was like for her. She had a, a home birth with a hospital transfer, um, but was able to return home from hospital a couple of hours after her son Elio was born. Um, and I've just been reflecting on this episode because the thing that I love about doing these podcasts is even though the topics are kind of similar, you know, breastfeeding, sleep deprivation, it's always different for every mother. And you know, they say no birth is the same. And I think that's, that's applicable to postpartum. No postpartum is the same. Um, Joelle and I have a really, really um, interesting conversation about um, placenta consumption. So if you've got a weak stomach, you might not be into that, but it is really, really interesting. So um, with what she did with her placenta, and that's always stuff that I'm super fascinated about too. So we had a really good chat about that. Um, We talked about breastfeeding and also talked about um, in the first uh, few months where her son 
um, would just cry for hours on end um, and nothing would really settle him and how she coped with that and how she um, came out through the other side of that. So, yeah, there's lots um, lots in this episode and uh, I hope that you enjoy it. If you do, please give me um, a nice review in iTunes or a five-star rating. Uh, that's always appreciated. Hope you enjoyed today's show. So tell me a little bit about if you can cast your mind back sort of nine-ish months ago, how was, um, how was that sort of initial postpartum for you in those first sort of few weeks? Yeah, um, it was very contrasting <laughs> and a, a big blur, but it was, I was, yeah, thinking back and, I did want to remember everything, so I did take, like, some notes each week <laughs> by week and I felt like each week was very um, different from, like, the first three weeks. I remember each week felt so different from the, the last. Mm. And that first initial week was just, like, recovering physically and just feeling everything, not really... Um, having the capacity at all to think more than the um, the moment that I was in. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I was sleeping a lot to recover. And it was absolutely beautiful, though, because, yeah, like I was a bit prepared about postpartum because I'd been studying my Dynamo doula training and I had a doula throughout my own pregnancy and she was at my birth and, I was prepared and I did um, I did um, have some bookings with her to come and visit and mm-hmm. that with my postpartum six-week care of my private midwife. Um, yeah, I felt really held and supported, um, which was, yeah, something I look back on and, yes, my birth team wasn't, didn't just end at birth, it mm. continued. Um, yeah, throughout the first few weeks, um, I, until Zephyr went back to work at week three, I felt a bit more on my own. Well, he was actually home for three weeks, but yeah, so I suppose um, the fourth week he went to work and yeah, that was a big realisation that I was a bit more on my own. Mm. But um, yeah, it was really beautiful though. I don't like that sugar-coatedness of like this beautiful, blissful baby bubble but I was able to really um, savour that the moments that did feel like that. Mm. And but if that's what it is too, like if it was, you know, the beautiful baby bubble, that's it's okay to say that. <laughs> yeah, like I definitely, I'm, I'm a lot like you where I want to be real and honest and normalise postpartum. So I, I talk a lot on my Instagram as well about the challenges and the dark stuff as well. And Mm. there was, I did feel um, there was a lot of um, like numbness and uh, disconnect and like with myself mainly, but um, just being so proud of and like in awe of my baby and my partner and what we like, what we produce like this Mm -hmm. beautiful little being and 
yeah, I did. I had a lot of oxytocin um, flooding through my body. And did you feel that sort of initial um, connection with Elio after he was born? Yeah, I did. I, I remember, yeah, just feeling really strong bond straight away. And it was really strange. Like I do have this, I've always had this bone deep knowing of like that maternal um, drive and sacredness to the whole experience for a long time. So I, I was aware of that side of it, but I still wasn't sure how I was going to feel and what was going to happen. Mm. Um, but yeah, I was more, I felt more, I suppose, relaxed and that ease and like things came um, a lot more natural than I could have ever imagined at the Mm. beginning and to watch my partner feel very similar um, yeah that just fed the whole blissful um, golden times that yeah it was just full of love and it was the first day of spring that Elio was born so Mm. felt like there was a lot of symbolic yeah like the there was golden rays of sunshine coming through the windows and mm-hmm. we spent a lot of time on the deck getting some sunlight and feeling a bit more warmth, even though it does get cold still um, here in spring. But, yeah, it just yeah, it felt like a very significant um, moment in time and thing, it did feel like time stood still a lot in those mm. early days but um yeah. I feel like time yeah it does feel like time stands still but it also feels like it goes so quickly and I don't know how that happens but <laughs> yeah I felt like though the first three weeks for me it didn't feel like it went too fast like I was like wow my midwife did always say enjoy every moment like everything even if it's hard or whatever, just really try and take everything in because she kept saying to me like six weeks would just go with the click of her fingers. Mm. Um, and I just kept kept that in mind and that awareness. So I think I was very present in it mm. all. Um, That's really good. But, yeah, we, I, physically I was pretty out of action because just um, a brief, um, I don't know, experience description of my birth I just I had a home birth transferred to hospital and needed forceps and episiotomy so I had an episiotomy which um yeah put me out for a while I didn't realize how much recovery was in all of that and Mm. I couldn't sit up for more than like 10 minutes really Mm -hmm. at a time maybe half an hour I can't remember but yeah, I was laying down a lot, um, sideline feeding, which was a saviour. And, yeah, my partner was doing most of, like, the awake time with Elio and, yeah, doing all the other things. He was my nurse as well, mm-hmm. like dressing my wounds. I had to get that dressed three times a day. And, mm. um, yeah, he... It's good yeah. that you weren't up doing stuff when you weren't feeling yeah, exactly. like you could. <laughs> um, and, yeah, yeah, it's funny how our partners kind of become, you know, our carers as well after yeah. birth. So all of that, I was really, I was in a lot of 
appreciation and gratitude for being looked after, how well looked after I felt and supported. And yeah, the second week, um, I think a bit more emotions had caught up with me and I started, you know, naturally just wanted to look back on my birth and I started processing my birth a bit more. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty confronting, but I knew that that's what was happening and I was just observing a lot of things and just starting that process really slowly and gently and um, I suppose I was talking about my birth a lot as well that's just something that's the way I kind of um, I've always um, I don't know processed things and healed through my emotions and stuff is speaking up and talking through so I was like repeating my birth a lot Mm. um with Zephyr and my midwife and my doula and um, yeah, I was very open about how I was feeling and, you know, the negative kind of emotions that were coming up and yeah, it was really beneficial. Like I look back on all of that and, you know, it was pretty early, but that's just what naturally came about. And I'm really glad that I started doing that when I felt I needed to, instead of suppressing it down because it really helped me. Um, yeah, come to a place, a really special place and to look back on all the beautiful moments and to learn through a lot of the the hard, gritty stuff and the, um, the emotions that came up were old patterns and old emotions that I've had in my life that's come up and, yeah, they keep coming up in my postpartum. Mm. So. How long do you think it kind of, um, it took you to be able to sort of process your birth? You know, has it been like months or is it something, Mm. you know, I know it's not a linear process. Like, you know, you don't just think about it and then a week later you're all good. Like, yeah, it can take years and maybe that's still something that's going on for you. Um, I reckon when I started sharing, because I've done an IGTV series on my birth story, when I started sharing the first episode of that was when I had come to a pretty good place with it all. Mm. Um, maybe six weeks postpartum or mm. a bit after that. Um, I know six weeks was a really big turning point for me. I remember it being quite a pivotal moment. And I know people talk about, you know, that's a time when you know, health professionals, you get pressured and that that's the end of postpartum. Like it wasn't mm. that kind of pivotal moment. It was, yeah, more something spiritually and emotionally within me um, mm. shifted. Was it sort of like sort of a realisation of like, you know, I'm a mum and I'm, I've got this kind of thing, like even yeah. though it's hard and challenging, but it's like I yeah. can do this. Like, Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It was more confidence and... I think I'd caught up a bit with what had been happening for the last few weeks and being like, wow, I'm doing this. And Mm. um, I had a closing of the bone ceremony as well with my doula and that was, it brought like a lot, it made my body feel alive again Mm. because I didn't realise how numb I'd felt, especially in my yoni area. Um, I had a womb steam and, um, like your body gets wrapped up and it closes, like kind of holds you clo- your body close and um, closes that maiden to mother period of, of mm. your life. And 
symbolic to that. And yeah, my body just started feeling alive again. And I was like, whoa, I didn't realize how numb I'd felt. Mm. That's really good that that whole process, um, you know, assisted you in being able to kind of move forward and mm. find yourself a little bit. How did you go with, um, with breastfeeding? Yeah, breastfeeding, um, yeah, Elio was a really strong baby and latched pretty much instantly after birth. He did the breast crawl and I was just blown away by how yeah, amazing that all was. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it kind of, he just kept that, um, his instincts seemed really strong and uh, he had a really strong, strong um, suck, so my nipples did get really sore. Mm. In that first couple of weeks, it was excruciating. Um, and <laughs> I remember that feeling like, like every time before mm. we'd go on and like I'd have to try and relax and then it would hurt so much when he'd start feeding again, but then it would, I, it would go away, like it would lessen, and I'd be like, oh, yeah, I can do this. Yeah. <laughs> but it was like for the first two weeks, it was or nearly three weeks, it was pretty painful. And I remember saying to my midwife, do you think I should put a shield on? Because I even had like they'd started cracking and even bleeding a bit, mm. and it was just so, it looked so awful. And, yeah, she's like, well, you're not crying. <laughs> you're not crying yet so yeah just give it a little bit more and it, it was funny like the next day or a couple of days after that they pretty much were completely healed like I, they'd never even been damaged so that was a relief yeah. it's amazing how quickly it kind of switches from being really painful to mm. oh, okay this is this is okay yeah. like I don't I feel stuff but up. it's not and I think, I can't remember the name of it, but someone did tell me that there's a um, a particular hormone that sort of kicks in around the two-week mark that helps your nipples to stretch more. Oh, wow. um, I, only, I just remembered that from like from my postpartum, but I can't remember who told me that or what the name is, but yeah. I definitely look into that. But yeah, it's good that you had someone there to sort of not you know that wasn't pushing stuff on you that mm. would probably have um kind of derailed things a little bit maybe yeah I was definitely determined to yeah like I wanted to breastfeed and I didn't want anything to get in my way and um yeah so any challenge I had I did I tried to I felt like I was um yeah doing everything to help me get through it uh I had a bit of an oversupply and really fast let down as well, which, you know, I had to try and navigate that. Like I'd lay, I pretty much lay flat back while I was feeding or on the side. I was mm. doing a lot of um, side feeding, but still Elio, he could just keep up, but I could hear him. Like it was a lot of milk coming through mm. and he did have a bit of like colicky uh, symptoms which I, we definitely think came down to, you know, his digestion, having a tough time trying to keep up with my, my letdown and a lot mm. of supply. But he was a quick feeder. Like I wasn't 
I wasn't sitting around for hours feeding him. It was really bizarre because I'd always expected that babies would just feed and feed. And like I have heaps of mum friends that have done that. And I hear heaps of stories that mum's feeding for like five hours at a time mm. sometimes. And Elio was so quick. It was like half an hour. And he well, was if, like, you're, yeah. if you were having those quick letdowns, that's, yeah. that's probably why. Um, yeah. And I think it's really funny because... Um, I know when I got out of hospital, I was given a piece of paper that had a feeding schedule and we were demand, on demand feeding, but, um, you know, it's like, make sure baby has, I think it was like 25 minutes on each breast mm. and Sunny would be asleep after about 10 minutes. Cause I was the same as you. I had a, you know, a huge yeah. supply and a really fast letdown and I was so worried that, you know, he wasn't, you know, feeding enough. And anyways, it turns out that um, babies aren't robots and they don't know yeah. about these schedules. <laughs> to say that. Isn't it so sad that, yeah, there's these rules and systems that babies are meant to follow with so many different things. Mm. Like it goes throughout the whole, the whole, everything that babies do, there's something written that they should be doing it this way, this mm. amount of time. It's, Every baby's so different mm. and it depends a lot on us and yeah. Anyway, that, yeah. So breastfeed, I loved it. I loved breast. I've always loved it. I've had challenges like throughout my postpartum. Like I'm still definitely in the thick of my postpartum, I feel. Mm. Mm. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, I feel really close to Elio when we're feeding um, when he's feeding, not me. Um, well, yeah, back in the day, back in the earlier days, I was eating as well at the same time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't believe how hungry I was. Like, yeah. That was something I had no... I heard a little bit, you have to eat a bit, you know, make sure you're eating more when you're breastfeeding. But I was starving. Like, yeah. That first morning, I remember waking up and... Every day you should ask Zephyr in that week when I'd wake up, I was like, where's my breakfast? <laughs> <laughs> and if it wasn't there in like 10 minutes, I'd be like, oh my God, like I'm passing out. Yeah, I'm going to die. <laughs> I'm dying. I know. And that's another one of those things that people don't really tell you. Like, yeah, yeah. You, if you are breastfeeding, you need to eat, you know, more substantial food during the day. But yeah, just those like, I was the same. I was ravenous. Like, mm -hmm. Oh, give me everything. Yeah, everything and anything. And it's been like that for till I'm still like that. I've still got a really strong appetite. But that those that first, I don't know, six weeks or three months or whatever it was, I was just I have I have no idea how how you can get that hungry. Like it was insane. Um yeah, it was it's pretty amazing. Yeah. And I remember because I was hanging out with I started catching up with the Yarra Valley midwives, um, had a little home birthing mama's um, kind of mum group, which was, mm -hmm. has been just absolutely amazing. And to have a group of women where we're all a bit more like-minded and similar, um, but also very different, but it, you know, it brought us all together. And I've been going since four weeks postpartum like I really I really felt I needed to have a bit of a village in that way of talking and sharing wisdom and just being around the same um 
women going through the same things as me and some of the pregnant mums um, that were yet to have their baby would come along and there was oh, one of my so friends. Nice. Yeah, one of my friends was that um, I'd been going to the birth circles with throughout my pregnancy. She was a bit behind um, in pregnancy than me. She was still pregnant and I remember telling her about when we were making homemade burgers, Seth was making it for dinner and I ate two burgers, like they were huge. And I ate like the whole burger and then I was still hungry. I ate another whole huge burger. And she said, she just couldn't believe that <laughs> I could do that. And yeah, um, yeah. then when she went through it, she understood a bit more mm. how hungry you actually get. So yeah. Yep. Anyway. Well, a lot of what's going into you is going into bubs and yeah. it kind of makes sense. <laughs> drains all of us yeah. out of our bodies and gives it to the baby. So mm. you've got to replenish. <laughs> what were some of the other things that were unexpected for you? Um, yeah, I think the, yeah, how much my milk leaked <laughs> at night. Well, yeah, I was always a bit petrified of getting, when my milk would come in and, you know, the, the three day, third day blues or whatever, when your milk comes in and Mm. I saw my sister go through that and how lumpy and scary, like alien, like her boobs went. And I remember she was in a lot of pain and massaging. So I was pretty petrified of that when that day happened. Mm. Um, But I managed, it was all good. Like I was just on top of, I remember having like two showers a day, morning and afternoon to get the hot water to help release the milk and mm. to prevent the um, block ducts and mastitis. But yeah, I didn't realise how during the night how much milk would leak out and that I had to, you know, replace my breast pads and I had to wear a bra to bed, like a wireless bra, and <laughs> replace the breast pads all night, and my whole top would be such still. And yeah, that was unexpected. And also, I was I was really hot in the earlier days, and I was had like a lot of night sweats, or even day sweat sweats. Like just any time I slept, I was kind of waking up. Um, having nightmares and stuff it was really full-on like the hormones and the, yeah affected my um, my body temperature I suppose and it mm. was pretty full-on feeling I remember waking up feeling like really out of it and hot and freaked out by dreams what have been some of the challenges for you yeah challenges <laughs> um yeah I didn't realize I suppose this was another thing that I didn't expect but I didn't realize how much Elio crying would affect me it mm-hmm. just hit me hard like so bone deep I couldn't I couldn't cope like mm. with the crying and with his sore tummy um yeah, it was a lot in the how, first. How long would he months. cry for? Hours. Okay. Yeah, yeah, like he was a happy baby though. Mm. Um, but then a certain time of the day, like in the afternoon, 
Yeah. He'd just start crying and he was really unsettled and we couldn't do anything. <laughs> like there was nothing we could do or anybody could do. Mm. It was like really weird. It's like he had to have that time in the afternoon yeah. to cry. Yeah. And then he'd fall asleep. Yeah. And Did- during the first couple of weeks it was in at night as well until he got into I mean, probably after six weeks was when he got into more of a rhythm of um, like he wouldn't, I think the crying period at night kept getting pushed back more and it started being earlier in the night instead of like around the midnight 1am thing, Mm. which it was for a lot in the beginning. And we made the mistake to not, we didn't go to bed until like 10 or 11 some nights and then that's when he'd start so then we'd be like kept up for another two or three hours of him crying before we could sleep Mm. and yeah I just it just triggered so many emotions within me yeah and I think it was same emotions that kind of came up when things um when I when things um yeah, were prolonged in my birth as well, just feeling like inadequate and hopeless and mm. um, what's the other word? Just not being able to do anything. It's so, yeah, yeah. so hopeless. And it's almost like I feel like you have, um, you know, a bag of tricks of things that you know will settle your baby. And so it might be like feeding them or it might be rocking them in a certain way or like patting them or, you know, mm-hmm. walking in the um, baby carrier or whatever. And then once you've exhausted all of your tricks yeah, and they're still upset. Like that came a bit later. I don't even think we had a bag of tricks. Yeah. But yeah. It was so early and he wouldn't respond to anything. Like it was like he just needed to cry. Mm-hmm. Maybe he did just need to cry. Maybe yeah. he was just emotional. Like I think. He probably had to express a bit of his own birth trauma. It's, it, that could be it though. And I think, you know, obviously there can be reasons why babies cry, like hunger mm-hmm. or whatever, thirst, thirst, whatever the case may be. Mm. But yeah you know, maybe he was just emotional. (laughs) Yeah, I had to work through a lot of things and separate what was mine and what was happening. Um, A bit of like aware parenting, I suppose, and just being there for him, but not taking it on like I need to fix him. Mm. Yeah. And that was really hard. But once I started, you know, um, taking that in a bit and listening to that and being strong in my mind when things felt triggering. Um, it helped a lot, but it didn't, it still was really hard. Yeah. Really hard thing for me. And I didn't, ex- yeah, I didn't expect, I thought the sleep deprivation would be the hardest thing, but I could, I, that was nothing compared to the crying that like I could adjust. I adjusted and I was pretty amazed how easy you can adapt to so little sleep Mm. um and I think all the hormones really helped me out um in the beginning and then yeah the crying just oh sucked Mm. and but Zephyr and I would take turns obviously and I remember just I could still hear him crying and I look back and I should have gone for a walk I should have gotten out but I just couldn't relax I think it triggered a lot of anxiety within me Mm. And I remember just sitting in another room, like just beside myself. Like I just yeah. couldn't 
I couldn't think about anything else other than like how it made me feel so much pain. Mm. Yeah, that's, it was hard. Yeah, that's so such a confronting experience to have and mm. you know you can't prepare for that how are you to sort of know what to do and yeah I mean you can look back on it and think oh, I should have done this I should have done that but mm. I think you probably were doing whatever you could to sort of comfort Elio and cope yourself as mm. well and if that meant leaving the room and having a cry yourself or mm. whatever then yeah. that's what you were meant to be doing yeah yeah it it didn't last long um well it was it felt like forever but (laughs) around um maybe two to three months it just kind of stopped like he always had this little cry before he'd go to sleep but (laughs) the amount of time he cried just lessened and lessened until Mm. it was just like a normal little thing before he'd go to bed and then he'd just respond so I think it was probably a mixture of a lot of different things. And I think his tummy, his digestion also, um, like, developed properly mm. and could cope with all of that side of it. But there was one, there was one really um, uh, traumatic time where he cried that shell-shocked me. Like, he, it was the longest he cried. It was for like five hours straight and mm-hmm. I had we rang our, my midwife I'd not called her at all for anything mm. and we called her we were just like what do we do like and she's like you you know later on she told me you'd be surprised how many parents take their babies to hospital mm. when that that happens and that's all I wanted to like kind of wanted to do I'm like do we need to go to hospital but then would make that would make that made my anxiety worse because I really didn't want to go to hospital. Mm. But it just seemed so intense. He was going like his whole face was like red and purple mm. and he just wouldn't stop and like the skin to skin wouldn't help. Beating with like like you said, the tricks that I knew didn't help. And um I think it lasted until like 10 p.m. Mm. And I remember we just were like, let's try one like my midwife was trying to tell me what to do on the phone and I could hear him crying in the background I'm like I can't concentrate on anything right now Mm. and then I was like I'll try skin to skin one more time and he just fell asleep instantly yeah Um, and I was on the couch and I just like I was like shaking and Mm, I had to sleep like that with him on the couch just laying how I was and Seth had to just wrap us up together and that was the my recovery from it just Mm. you know having him close and yeah yeah like that that was before I started um looking into the where parenting and trying not to fix him and all that and he never did that again to that extent yeah but it was like after that oh my god is he gonna do that again like every night after that it was probably like yeah, that would sort of trigger your anxiety every night yeah. to almost anticipate it, whether or not it was going to happen. Mm, yeah, and it never did. And then I was like, oh, I don't need to think about it anymore because it's not happened again and mm. it, there's no point wasting energy um, worrying about it. But, yeah, mm. that was a long <laughs> – sorry, it was a very long talk about crying. No, <laughs> I think it's totally relevant and – 
you know, I'm sh- like there will be other mothers and fathers mm. out there that can totally relate to that and yeah. felt all of the same things. And yeah, again, it's not something that we really talk about that much. Like, you yeah. know, that your baby's going to cry, but mm. you know, no one really talks about them crying for five hours. And yeah. I know you and I've had this conversation, you know, offline about not wanting to scare women who are pregnant or, Mm. you know, thinking about having a child about what postpartum is like, but, you know, we kind of need to find that balance around being informative and, um, and then, you know, not terrifying (laughs) new mothers. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, like, like, you know, you've just said that, well, what you've shown is that you've survived it. Right. And And that's um, skin to skin. Like was so beautiful. The all the skin to skin time I had with Elio, and like I said, it was this blissful bubble as well, and so many stages, and my heart melting watching Zephyr and Elio staring into each other's mm. eyes, and like there was so many beautiful moments. That that's why it's so contrasting because yeah you can be driven like to your darkest parts within your body and mind and then you can feel the most love and yeah light and connection that you've ever felt before Mm. i'm going to change topics very um obviously (laughs) yeah because i remember reading something or watching something about what you did with your placenta. And I would love Uh, to talk about that. (laughs) Yeah. Happy to share that. Um, Yeah. Do you want me to just start talking? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yeah. So before, when I was pregnant, I always knew I was going to encapsulate my placenta. Um, and I remember talking to my doula about it. I was attending a lot of birth circles that she was facilitating. And she just openly talked about how she um, cooks, like, the, post, um, the, the placenta up fresh mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, makes her speciality, she calls it Mediterranean placenta. Mm-hmm. And I remember feeling so sick at that the idea of that which Mm. is very I most I think a lot of people have that reaction Mm -hmm. um like my partner went from yeah I've heard I've heard a lot of um men before their fathers talk about placentas in the most disgusting and yeah yeah in such disgust Mm. to actually um yeah, really uh, appreciating. Like better, yeah, and better understanding what they yeah, do. What, <laughs> yeah, what their functions are and what how they've kept their, their baby alive in their partner's womb for that time and watching the whole experience and how different they, their attitude and energy is around placentas mm. um, to the point that, yeah, they talk about it in a really sacred way. Mm. Even like, yeah you know, what are you, um, Joe Bloggs or whatever you call them, <laughs> those types of guys. I've heard them talk about it and in, in the way that they shifted is, like, really beautiful. Mm. Um, 
but yeah anyway I was so like I'm not eating it like that like like I didn't judge anyone that that did and I was I was actually opposite I was pretty amazed at the thought that someone was brave enough to do that and to honor it in that way and to be able to ingest it and then anyway I was like I'm just going to encapsulate it and um, my midwife actually said why don't you freeze little bits of it and make smoothies after and I thought oh that's something I could probably do mm. like mask mask the flavor and like not taste any of it and stuff and then yeah after I'd gone through birth and that something shifted within me as well and um, I've always I always felt like I wanted to honour and um, honour my placenta and I had a really beautiful third stage even though I was in the hospital, um, which was really sacred and it was amazing to have my doula there to keep reminding me to slow down with that process and to just be with it, be present because, yeah, it's natural to want to just get it over with because it's especially after the many hours that I was laboring. Mm. Um, but no, that was a start of connecting with it really strongly. And um, yeah, like we didn't cut the cord at hospital because I, I knew we were always going to be at home. That was the plan. So I wanted mm. to do all of that when we got home and we were only in hospital for four hours. Um, then we got home, but yeah, we made it a little bit more, um, yeah, more of a beautiful thing, um, cutting the cord at home. And then, yeah, my doula ended up coming over and I knew she was coming over because I asked her to, to actually cut it up for us because Zephyr was always going to do it, but he felt a bit vulnerable and <laughs> a bit sensitive. And he was like, I don't know if I can do it anymore. Yeah. yeah. So... Um, yeah, we got my doula around and I knew she was coming and I was like, oh, just entertaining the idea. I'm like, should I just eat it? Like, she's coming, she's going to cut it up. Mm. She does talk about, talk up the Mediterranean placenta. I've, I think I could do anything after giving birth. Like, mm -hmm. literally, yeah, nothing really fazed me as much. So, yeah, entertaining the idea and then... I did talk to her a little bit on the phone and she's like, why don't you just see how you, uh, um, how you feel when I'm there and I can always just cook up a little bit and if um, you like it, I can cook the rest up kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And um, Bit of a placenta tasting plate. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, this is probably pretty confronting for a lot of people listening, but it's also... A lot of people do this. Yeah. And a lot of people um, are scared of talking about it because, yeah, it's another thing that's not really normalised. Mm. Um, yeah. It's a bit I think wacky, I encap encapsulation is probably more common than most people realise. Mm, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know... And yeah, and I know a lot of people have it in smoothies and stuff as well. So what and, was it like? Yeah, well, it was a bit weird at first because I was like, oh, my God, I just, I had to take it out of my mind what I was eating. Like some, because I've actually eaten a lot of offal in my life because mm -hmm. I've worked in 
um, quite authentic Spanish restaurants um, in hospitality and they use a lot of offal in their cooking and I'm pretty adventurous with my eating. So I thought if I eat all this other weird offal, what's so weird about eating this? Like, mm. um, and it's come from my body and I don't know. Um, anyway, I just had to kind of put that where, what it was out my mind and just, I sat outside in the sun and I had a really nice um, thick piece of sourdough with heaps of butter on it mm-hmm. that helped, um, yeah, just take the richness <laughs> and the edge off. But it was actually yummy. It was weird. It was the way she cooked it. It was like heaps of lemon juice, heaps of garlic, lots of fresh herbs, mm-hmm. really finely chopped kale. Yeah, and it was just sautéed, so um, it wasn't chewy. Like it hadn't been cooked for ages, but it wasn't like there was no blood or anything. It was like a bit like mince, mm. and um, yeah, it tasted yummy because of all the garlic and all the other flavors. That um, so yeah, I just was like, oh, this isn't bad at all, and I still felt a little bit strange um eating it but I just kept going I was like no I'll just finish it and um Zephyr even ate some wow yeah <laughs> what did he think <laughs> he loved it. oh wow that's so good I couldn't finish my bowl and he ate my leftovers <laughs> and, oh wow um, yeah he's fine with me we'll, we'll talk about this um when I start my my podcast too but he he wanted like the next day I remember he said oh I really want some of that placenta again wow it was pretty bizarre I was like whoa he loved it more than me but anyway I was going to have a nap after um you know I ate some food and I went to lay down and I was buzzing my Mm. whole body was just alive it was tingling was so alive and I couldn't sleep. And I remember yelling out, Seth, do you feel weird? <laughs> out the door, out my bedroom. And he's like, nah. And I think he was, he thought, he knows I get a bit anxious sometimes with things. So I think he was trying to just calm me down. Mm. And when I was like, oh no, it's okay. It's just like, obviously so much nutrients and iron and mm. all the hormones all the- as well. Yeah, all replenishing my body and Mm. I didn't expect like that to happen. I was going to ask you what, um, what postpartum kind of looks like for you now, you know, nine months down Mm. the track compared to in those early days. Yeah, like I definitely recently I felt like I've got the capacity to think more in the future, like the last maybe month or so. Whereas up until that point, like I was literally just rolling with the punches and was just going through whatever challenges were happening at that time. And just with the day to day life, that's all I could um, keep up with and had the capacity for. But yeah, now I'm kind of thinking a bit more, ahead 
um, where I'm like, how can we do things to make our life a bit more harmonious and um, yeah, like we can't, well, we can't, definitely can't control, um, you know, the challenges, but we can control other things in our lives that can help us cope with what's going on. Mm-hmm. So, that, so that's like part of the move back to WA. Yeah. And just even more um, like day-to-day stuff or like week-to-week, how we can plan our week, um, Zephyr and I where we can both support each other the best that we can and what the circumstances in our life, like just, you know, the basic stuff, like Mm. shopping, like doing a bulk shop where we Mm -hmm. have food in the house for the week instead of Zephyr going, oh, I need to duck down to the shop like every single day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like, that was just driving me mental. I have Um, had literally the same experience. (laughs) Yeah. And it, yeah, it's, it makes such a difference. Like all little things like that. Mm. If we are having a bit more of a system, um, um, yeah, to work for us, not against us, um, mm-hmm. and we have a, a, a yeah, a bit more time, extra time to yeah, give each other a bit of a break. Like mm-hmm. I'm able to do some things like this, or have some appointments, or to yeah have a break from Elio a bit more and you're carving out space for yourself yeah exactly just finding that bit more space and then yeah a bit more yeah long term of like where do we want to the capacity to plan a little bit more like what can we do next and where do we want to live where do we want to set ourselves up and even parenting like thinking I've never really worried too much about parenting because I've always known that we will navigate the challenges when we come to it. And Zeph and I have always had very similar values um, and beliefs and things like that. It's not usually, we haven't really butted heads much um, or at all really yet. Like Mm -hmm. I'm sure it will happen, but um, I just felt like we'll navigate that when we come to it and we have yeah I suppose because Elio's getting a bit older we are thinking a bit more about you know how we want to yeah um how we want to be on the same page with parenting and what we want to how we want to navigate that Mm. next part it's good to have those conversations though before you're in it a bit too deep and Mm. you know and then it becomes like you might not have the conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think I've always been that type of person that I can always kind of see uh, see what's going to happen ahead or what challenges and with enough time to kind of prepare a bit mm. um, and prevent things from happening that I don't want to happen or to try and help guide things the way that I would really like them to go. Mm. Um, as much as possible but like I said up until not long ago it was really tricky to to do that thanks for listening to today's episode please come over and say hi on instagram that's where I like to hang out Uh, my handle is at postpartum underscore with underscore steph s-t-e-p-h 
that's where I'll be sharing podcast episode updates too. Hope to chat to you soon.